Well, hello, welcome back once again to another UK Pick 6 podcast where myself, Ollie Wilson, Jazz Gillum and Dave Bluck sit around, talk about American football and then waste money trying to win money on said American football. Well, don't always waste money, Ollie. I've wasted money. You You've guys wasted money have every made week. Money me, me and Dave are currently in the, in the, in the black here. Yeah? Well done to both of you. I'm so pleased. Look, you guys <laughs> couldn't yeah. say it any more real, could you? There, I'll be, I'll be broke, but still be following my team in the playoffs. Let's put it oh, that way. Oh, there you go. Oh, right. It's like that. Isn't yeah, it? Right. I'm bringing reality yeah. back in now. So well, only for one that week, mate. Is... God, reality sucks. <laughs> it's gonna suck for only next fair. week. When he's got, gonna, oh, I've got nothing. Got that. Anyway, we are week. we are at World Card. Week. We are at World Card Weekend coming up this weekend. The playoffs are upon us. We had a weird week seventeen that saw Winston winging it all over the place. As always, we had Miami Miracles against the New England Patriots once again to finish off a season, and we had Philly just flaunting it in front of the Dallas Cowboys as they took the NFC East. Oh, it was a good weekend in reality. <laughs> it was not a good weekend, though, on the betting circuit for myself, unfortunately. We'll dive into uh, all of those games that were interesting. Of course, the Seahawks against the 49ers will take up a fair bit of time as well as we get set to look to the wildcard round games and break each one of those down a little bit with our real inside expert knowledge on uh, on all things NFL Oh, players. absolutely. Um, which generally doesn't involve shouting over each other and, <laughs> and berating each other for their opinions in any way, shape or form. Uh, just mine on Kirk Cousins, it seems. Um, <laughs> what happened last well, week? Well, it's because you're wrong, but it's fine. Uh, we'll, we'll come to that later, Jess. In about a week's time. We'll see. Uh, what <laughs> happened on the uh, on the circuit, uh, on the gambling circuit this, this week, though, Dave? What happened with you? Uh, not good. I'm really frustrated about it. Um, because the ones that I thought were safer, I didn't get. And then I got what I consider to be the harder ones. So I had Jets over Bills, which I got, which I thought was a good bet. Uh, Falcons over Bucks. Um, close one. I got, that was a really close one. I got the Titans over the Texans, which again was a really it's a coin flip game. Um, and then Eagles over Giants, which I kind of thought was going to happen. But I got done by Colts over Jags. The Jags won, and fairly comfortably as well. And then... Steelers just didn't really show up against the Ravens and their yeah. backups. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just really frustrating because I feel like I should have got all six there. But it's the NFL and it's week 17. So <laughs> it's a weird one. You can't predict half of week 17 anyway. Jazz, what about yourself? Similar to Dave, I went four and two. So I had Jets winning, Falcons winning, Bears beating the Vikings, Titans beating the Texans by minus 3.5. But I had the Raiders beating the Broncos and they lost on the missed two-point conversion at the end of the game. And I had the Steelers thinking they were going to be able to beat RG3. Turns out he's just a Lamar Jackson light. And the Pittsburgh offense did absolutely nothing. I bet you can't wait for next year, Jazz, already. I don't know if I can. I don't know what we're going to do. So it's not going to be any better. So I don't. I, I can't. I, Big I'd happily ben, one wait. one more year. Timmy's going to have to play. <laughs> he's going to retire this season. This off-season, he he's just going to... He's just going to throw out the... This could be the off-season where we lose Big Ben, Brady, It depends entirely on how everything kind of... Yeah, it depends how it all figures out with his injury as well. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of... I, I mentioned this earlier in the week. Both of your teams have pretty much had like franchise QBs from the whole time you've supported them, the Falcons Not and the Steelers. Year. But 
it's interesting to see what happens to a fan base when they lose that franchise QB and suddenly there's all the like testing the water with different guys like for instance Kevin Cole or Sam Bradford and seeing what happens and just getting thoroughly disillusioned by the idea that you might not get a good QB for a number of years well Kevin Cole was supposed to be very good but it turned out it wasn't so good was it the <laughs> thanks for your Holly, deep dive analysis the... on Kevin Cole there Jess <laughs> I hear all week good, and then he's not good <laughs> Was it that Chris Wessling uh, always says, um, I think he's quoting, he might be quoting Dimitrov, but he says that he's like, the the search for a quarterback will consume you as a GM. And <laughs> well, it makes that's sense. just so true. Because your job is tied <laughs> so to I, them so much. Yeah. So I'm not looking forward to the time when I have to deal with that as a fan. I'm. Uh... I mean, it's like, for example, with uh, Tampa Bay, you're shocked that Jason Light is still there simply because he's still making Winston on the roster well that's that's probably going to change to be, that, to be continued that conversation for another that time Jason... Ollie how did you do in your bets by the way oh uh, not great uh, I'm I guessing went, he lost went, day because he still went, hasn't won any money went 3-3 three and three. Uh, so I bet on the Falcons to beat the Bucks. Falcons got it just I'm not betting on the Browns again they can just do one next year because oh, I bet on I them know. to beat the Bengals <laughs> like, I think they've got all of us at, any, at some point those, yeah, they have. The the Browns and the Bucks are just. I'm, I'm not putting money near them for a good few weeks next year. Uh, won't have to in the playoffs, obviously. Um, Raiders, uh, I didn't get because I predicted them to beat the Broncos, and that was close. I predicted Very the Niners close. to lose to the Seahawks, and that was close and didn't happen. But I did get the Cowboys beating Washington and the Eagles beating New York. So I went three or three. Yeah, as I say. So, so worse than me and Dave because we both got four and two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just just making sure we covered that as well. No. Good. Good. Cheers for clarifying that one out because three and three is worse than four and two. Is that the same analysis that you use for your quarterbacks, like Kevin Cole, for instance? Yeah, because Kevin Cole. Yeah, exactly the same. Uh, I think it's it's the kind of logic that you both use when you evaluate your fancy teams as well. He is good. Mm, Oh no, he's not. Not sure about that one, Dave. (laughs) Well, you know, I've won two out of four years. Yeah, but I mean, I had a bad year. (laughs) One bad year out of four. Look, I don't, well, I don't have, I don't have a leg to stand on. Four. No, Ollie, you can just stay out of this conversation. Just, yeah. just win, win a championship, Jazz, and then come back to me. So <laughs> I just don't want to do it. I want to make sure everyone else has got glory instead of me. That's all it is. Just regular. Just a regular guy, aren't you, Jazz? That's all right. I'm, I'm the Peyton Manning Colts. <laughs> 13 and 3 every jazz. year, apart from this one. I was scamming <laughs> to get luck this year, clearly. Well, uh, we do have some real expert analysis coming up on the podcast today because Sal Capaccio, the Bears, uh, sorry, Bills sideline reporter, is giving us a brief preview into the Bills against the uh, Texans coming up in the wildcard playoffs. And for some weird reason, which we'll get into later on, we've got former England, Tottenham, Villa, Charlton centre forward Darren Bent on here as well, talking Philadelphia Eagles because why not, I guess? Just a weird one. Um, So yeah, enjoy the pod. Over the middle, picked off! Season fired, intercepted! Blitz coming, pass is picked off! He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore, down on the right sideline. Niners 
because I'm just so excited about, and, and we're not going to talk about them this week, obviously, because they're missing out on a wild card game. <clears throat> so should we just kind of focus on that one game from week 17 then, and just go well, from just, there to the wild cards? Okay. Well, I mean, it's 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 a great game, and then we can move into any other ones that you guys want to pick up on. But that's what I've got the most to say on. It was a it was a fine game. It it was a great game. But yeah, maybe not a great game. A, a good a good game is. I, te- but, uh, I tell you what was a great game. A great game was last night the Rose Bowl of Oregon against Wisconsin because that had something going on on every single drive, and it was genuinely down to players doing well, either yeah. defensively coming up really big. The Oregon DBs were phenomenal in their open field tackling last night. Whereas the Seahawks Niners game felt like teams were doing well. One team was doing well at certain points because the other team was playing badly and vice versa when the when the Seahawks got back into it. That's why it was a great game and it's a great finish, but it's not like a great game in terms of quality shining through to an extent. Well, the first the first time they played each other earlier in the season was better. So we don't even need to look beyond this season to see a better matchup between them. I think it's just the yeah, the ending was so epic. So, so epic. Yeah, I mean, that hit at the end by um, Greenlaw. Um, on Hollister. Who was the, Hollister, that's it, yeah. No, it was on Hollister. Hollister was the one who received it. Yeah, Greenlaw made the hit. Yeah. And that was just, ah, oh, I mean, it was just so such classic football. Shades of, right on the line. Shades of Malcolm Butler, eh? Oh, he just also shades slammed of the, uh, it. That tackle with the Rams and Titans Super Bowl. Uh, Derek Mason, yeah. Getting... Uh, no, Dyson. Wasn't Dyson? Oh, Dyson, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Trying to extend and just short by that little bit of a yard. This is a lot closer, though. I think the, the 49ers linebacker said that all he did was kept his feet on the goal line. And as soon as anything came close to him, he was just going to throw his entire body at him. And in fairness, worked a treat. Well, it, it was impressive in that all Hollister has to do is lean half an inch. Yeah, yeah, and he's a big boy as well. And it's not yeah, like it's the like... ball's in the wrong hand at any point or anything like that. He could have turned one way or the other and it wouldn't have mattered. The The body position he ended up being at was he was almost flat along the goal line. So to keep him out in that sense, when he just needs to arch it like two degrees yeah. further over slightly yeah, yeah. in his torso was unbelievable that the Niners kept him out. Or he but... could have gone super, uh, super dangerous and just tried to extend his arm out. Yeah, which... To be honest, I wouldn't have minded doing because why would you blame a guy of trying that when your co- when your coaching staff has cost you the game pretty much anyway at, the, at that point? Yeah, I just think he got hit. He just got hit so hard. You know, I think you've just got to give it up sometimes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think there's a lot on him. Sometimes he just if there's a good enough play, there's nothing you can do, is there? In the in the same way, I guess if you want to go into then let's go into what the biggest moment was in that game though, and that is the Seattle Seahawks absolutely messing the bed. Just complete mismanagement. Oh, crazy. I don't know how they did that. With an experienced coach like Carroll, I don't understand how they got that so wrong. An experienced coach, an experienced quarterback, but a coach who has a tendency to lose his mind in certain moments like this. I mean, from from what we heard on on the commentary, Wilson spikes the ball... Why did he spike the ball? They could have they had time the to make a play there. To stop because the clock, you stop the clock there, you then get a chance to then think, okay, let's just no, have, no, it. Let's no, just no. have five oh, seconds. I understand to think that. I understand that. But it feels like it, even that was a wasted opportunity. Well, they also because had they had they alignment. had like forty seconds, which is a lot of time to make four plays anyway. 
they that was there was time enough to throw a fade to the back of the end zone. But there's not enough time to then make the substitutions though, though. That was uh, for the Seahawks that was down initially, and was way behind the play when they got up to the one yard line or the half yard yep. line, and so Wilson was actually trying to get another play going, and looking like, well, we'd we'd rather stop the clock five seconds earlier, but we've got to wait for our offensive lineman to pick himself up the deck, drag himself there. Yeah. So that's why Wilson then just stops the clock rather than anything oh, else. Like, I see. Say, okay, kills right. Okay. But then, I mean, that wasn't the worst thing that happened. But it, but also it was just icing on the cake for me. But... So if you're in that formation they had, they probably didn't have as many alignment or the running back in. Marshawn Lynch wasn't on the field for that play before, I don't believe. You want to make sure your substitutions get in, they know what the play is, so they can line up correctly rather than have a hodgepodge of people running on and off and then you might have 12 men on the field, and then you might then get a penalty for that. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah, and again, I, 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 can, I kind of understand initially that idea of spiking the ball. Right, stop the clock. We've got three attempts. If we get a touchdown, that's going to be game over. But to stop the clock and then have Wilson looking around for 15 seconds or so, the commentators tell us, Sal Michaels tells us that Marshall Lynch is coming into the game, and you can tell that by the cheer as he just jogs onto the field yeah. but then yep. we've still got like 20 25 seconds of the play clock of the Seahawks dilly-dallying about and not actually having a play called or set up like Pete Carroll almost doesn't know what to do in that sort of situation when it's real freaking obvious Pete because we've been in this situation before you know exactly what you should do because you messed up last time because you didn't do it give it and to sure- Marshall Lynch at the one yard line what's wrong and with surely you? in uh, Lynch's contract it would be if we're on sec- any play where it's one yard it's one and goal. Well, it's first and goal. It's on your one-yard line. Or second and goal. Or third and goal. Who's getting the ball? You are, Marshawn. Thank you very much. Yeah, That's what he's there for. Well, yeah, or Winston takes it in. I mean, it's just... I, I You know, does does he... Yeah, was Wilson. Does he just... Does Pete Carroll just overthink these things? And he gets... I, I think he, he gets, gets excited as well. Excitability I mean, might be the thing, yeah. I mean, he's always dancing up and down the sideline. He, he obviously enjoyed having the excitement of the program he had at USC. I mean, anybody that's watched the documentaries on Carol's time at USC, he loved having like the celebrities about and he, he, you could tell he gets excited in those big moments when, you know, it's the spectacle that Rose Bowl game against, um, against the Texas Longhorns, you know, Carol's as animated as you see a coach on a sideline and he's brought that into the NFL. And at times it's a great thing to watch, but what you want is you want a guy at the head of your, uh, your offense at the head of your team like a quarterback who in the big moments can stay cool calm when was the last time you ever saw bill belichick like not be prepared for a moment on in an nfl game he knows exactly what he wants to do it won't happen whereas pete carroll has had a few occasions now where you have to put some of it on him and some of it i think goes on wilson to an extent as well i mean i'm not sure why wilson spent a lot of time uh like checking his o-lineman when look if there's a problem that guy can He's run up to the line. He can run in and out, as you say, Jazz, and have a substitution. Yeah. And Wilson should be thinking, right, what's our play here? What's our play here? So for quarterback and uh, and head coach to get it so wrong in that situation, it's just real glaring. And then you have the similarities between that moment and also then them getting stopped on the one-yard line by a great defensive play similar to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. I mean, just screams that actually in these moments, they haven't really learned enough just yet, the Seahawks. Yeah, we just hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch. It's very simple. I mean, they do say about Pete Carroll that he's more of a cheerleader, don't they? But I'm sure he's probably really good fun to play for because he probably gets you quite amped up, but in a very... Juvenile is probably the wrong word to use, but more of a let's-go-get-them kind of boys rather than a deep kind of meaningful... 
real motivational kind of speech, that probably goes back to the fact that if you said like with Bill Belichick, I'm sure when he speaks, everyone listens because everything he says is very measured and very prepared, as opposed to Pete Carroll, maybe is a bit more off the cuff. And maybe that's what you've said about issue. Mike Tomlin before as well. Yeah, I said the same for him. Of, but then, in fairness, yeah. to just to go back onto Mike Tomlin very very quickly, I think he's done a fantastic job this year with the the level of performance he got from the offense. I know Ollie doesn't agree with that, just shaking his head, but that's fine. Um, but back to that. So, yeah, I think that the issue you have Shrug. is Pete Carroll just tries to improvise a bit too much, and you just can't do that when you're playing against teams that are that good and you have so few chances to get that one play off, which you just have yeah. to get a yard, not six. Yeah, I, I will say as well that in that Super Bowl against Patriots, it was actually a, Pete Carroll isn't in charge of wasn't in charge of offensive play calling in that game. That was something that came out later on. And I wonder if that's a, maybe the same still with the with the Seahawks in that Brian Schottenheimer perhaps has a finger of blame to point towards him as well, the offensive coordinator in Seattle. But Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of blame to go around. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's not is just it, one person, though, is it? But... We're focusing on, this, on the Seahawks, but, I mean, were you guys impressed with the 49ers throughout the game? I in know the it was kind half, of it was yeah. very back and forward. Yeah. Well, that, that first touchdown that lovely. Shannon called, that reverse, that was, oh... That, that looks nice. so good. It made some me poor, feel some bit, poor tackling bit... in that, though. What's that? Sorry, there's some poor tackling in that. There's some good blocking, but some of the players. Oh, I don't know how they don't push him out of bounds. You're right. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's literally hugging the touchline. But it was yeah, that was it was a nice play. But um, did, do you not look at the 49ers and think, okay, uh, last the week before last blew a big lead to the Falcons late on in yeah. the game. You look at this Seattle game had a big lead going into the second half and, and let it slip away once more and almost were punished Nearly blew in the it, end, yeah. like, they should have been punished that, I mean that again surely that sticks up some warning flags of look, they, they've got to start hot but they need to finish as well you know cliches and everything it's not how you start it's how you finish and the Niners need to try and make sure they go out there and finish games in the playoffs because you don't get second chances yep and uh, the two games that they've lost out of the last five they've all been really close but they're both at home. So, you know, against the Falcons and fair enough against the Ravens, 20 to 17. But uh, both losses came at home. So, Well, the Ravens game doesn't really count, does it? Because although they lost, but that was a game so marred by the horrific weather they were playing. Yeah, the conditions didn't help. That's true. Sure. So it doesn't yeah. really give you a true indication. But you would, No, it doesn't. You would say that they are going to be playing Ravens caliber teams in the playoffs as well. So, you know... Well, it depends if you think that Ravens are the only team of that caliber. That's the question. I think they're probably the best team in the NFL currently, so I'm not sure who else is close to them. Hey, save it for the predictions round at the end, Jazz. (laughs) (laughs) But I do just just focusing on the on the 49ers. Just one more. It is um, they're my favorite team now left in the in the playoffs. Um, Just but I just think the 49ers. Yeah, I, I. they're they're the ones that I'm really kind of getting behind. I think we said earlier in the season when the Ravens played the 49ers that uh, we would like to see that as the Super Bowl. Um, And I don't, you know, I'd like to see the Ravens in there as well, but I really would like to see the 49ers have a deep run because I just think that they've got talent on both sides of the ball. They seem to have players pitching in at different times as well. It's not just all, all the quarterback or all one receiver or just a tight end, or just one running back, yeah. or just one D-lineman. They're a very balanced just, team. They're a very good yeah. and well-balanced team. And you, and those those last five games have just all been so close. They just deliver bangers. You know, that 48-46 against the Saints. That was big, yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah, they lost to the Falcons, but that game was awesome. Um, and it's a different Falcons team to the first half of the season. So that was there was and that was a crazy end as well that they easily could have won. And then the win over the Rams 34-31 and then this one 26-21. I just I just think they're made to give us some magic in the playoffs whether they win it or not. I think they're going to be the best ones to watch. But then given that those games are all as close as they have been, do you not maybe consider that perhaps what's going to happen in the playoffs when it counts a bit more and the pressure's on a little bit more? they'll just crumble a little bit and that those small margins that have gone their way may go the opposite way. Yeah, they could definitely they could definitely lose it. I think I just think that their games are going to be the most interesting to watch. You know, I mean it doesn't matter to me. You know, my team's well and truly gone. So um uh I just I'm just I Your need somebody up to when they want to try and save Dan Quinn's job mate. That's what happened. I know. <laughs> and then the you know thing. that's the thing I'm lo- and I'm looking at the 49ers and I've seen Carl Shanahan call some really nice plays and I just wish that there's a parallel universe somewhere where Dan Quinn got fired this year and the 49ers somehow got rid of Shanahan and he came home and then next year we'd uh, we'd go and get it done. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, well, look, that wasn't the only game last weekend. There were a few wild ones that kind of bleed into the playoff talk. Uh... Philadelphia Eagles wrapping up the NFC East. Oh, we yeah. should probably we should probably mention that at some point. Yeah, I think was, you'd want to talk about that. To go in there, isn't there I don't know. That was that was that was <laughs> Enough nice. Of this Niners talk. Let's talk about them Eagles. Yeah, well, you kept on saying, "Oh, I think the Niners are going to go deep," and "Oh, that's the team of the NFC." I'm not really sure about that because uh, <laughs> there's an Eagles team where something's happening down in Philadelphia. I mean, yeah, I'll tell you what's Wentz. happening, Ollie. I'll tell you what's happening, Ollie. Injuries are happening. Yeah, well. That's all that's happening there. Injuries and injuries and injuries and injuries. You know what? Even during that Giants game, they were still queuing up outside the blue medical tent to get people in. <laughs> I mean, it's just, just <laughs> unreal, trouble. absolutely unreal. We had the uh, we had the Dolphins as well getting a victory over the New England Patriots, which means that we Incredible. see the Patriots this, uh, Patriots this week. Ryan Fitzpatrick may have done enough this year to earn a starting job at Miami next year. Once they bring in Justin Herbert from Oregon or something like that, I mean. His his season has been absolutely remarkable. The Dolphins' season has been ridiculous of a team that's split down the middle between a front office and actual coaching and playing staff and two different uh, sides of the coin of what they want to do in the year. But then to finish it off, I was actually wondering this, and I should have looked it up, and I'm annoyed that I didn't, what the Dolphins' record is post-week like week 15 against the Patriots. Because it's always okay. late in the season that they seem to get yeah. a win against New England. And for well, once, that... New England weren't able to afford to take their foot off the gas. And it's really cost them. Well, there several times when they've played them in week 15, 16 or 17, the Pats, they have been resting players or haven't been trying to really win a game. Because they've already got their already, bye and they've won the division. Already number one yeah. seed already doesn't mean anything. Whereas this week, or last week, sorry, it did actually mean something because if they had to try and win that game to maintain their bye week. For the first time since I think it's 2010, we said that it was 2010 was yeah. the last time the Pats played in the wild card round. So it's oh, it's so good, big isn't it? For them, to, it's so good to have been forced to do that on the back of Fitzpat. Well, Fitzmagic's arm really. The trouble with Fitzpatrick though is that he has these moments or these spells, which he's had a good spell this year of just being magical and brilliant. But what will happen is he'll be a starting quarterback week one if he is, and he'll come crashing back down to earth straight away. If he starts well, he finishes poorly. If he starts poorly or is not on the team, he then has a reason just to go out and sling it because there's no pressure on him. If you put pressure on him, he crumbles. 
that's my feeling. I assume, I assume because their deficiencies are so many, though, the Dolphins, even though they've had a really good year, c- considering... Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, they have. You know, we good. thought yeah. that they were going to. We thought they were going to be the worst team the NFL's ever seen. You know, we thought people were talking about them going 0 and 16. I think they lost their first three games by like a combined 140 something points silly, or yeah. something insane. So, you know, we thought we were seeing like an epically bad team. And hats off to Brian Flores. Yeah, incredible, really. Um, I think they've. I so I think that they've they've got a lot. They've got they've got so many positions to look at though that you kind of think. Would they be well to go into next year with Fitzpatrick on a one-year deal, and then they whoever they draft, Tui or or whoever else it is, the guy out of Oregon, um, then he can he can sit on the bench for half the season and then come in later, and it doesn't have to be kind of all or nothing straight away because I think it kills these young quarterbacks. Trust in straight away. The pressure, though, isn't it? I mean, if Fitzpatrick has one bad game, everyone will be saying, "Well, week two, the rookie has to start." Yeah, I don't know if they so will be. Ridiculous. I don't think I don't think the Dolphins have got the same expectations as the you know teams like the Giants or what about the Cardinals? you know other organizations. You know, look at the Cardinals with Josh Rosen. They had the did they have Bradford in for the first couple of games and he did terribly, and so the clamor was put Josh Rosen in. They put him in. I think it was week three or four. They put him in, and he wasn't not that he was really terrible, but he's a rookie QB on a team that wasn't very good, and he's just been thrown to the wolves. And they went to Miami and had the exact same thing there. We're starting week one we're on a team that was horrifically deficient in lots of areas. And again, I think he's a player who's been unlucky to have been put in the position he has been. Yeah. He could have been much better if he'd had a better situation. As with most rookie QBs, if you give them the right blocking, the right scheming, some weapons around them and no pressure, they tend to do mm. quite well. Well, the so- problem is, is these these coaches are constantly playing for their jobs, aren't they? So, yeah. you know, even though this year was maybe a relative success, um, for the Dolphins coaching staff next year, they're going to be playing for their jobs, aren't they? So yep. you're right from that sense. And if they're in week four and they're zero and zero and three, and Fitzpatrick's doing badly, you know what are they going to do at half time? Yeah. And how so many more times I, I do you need it. to reference, like you know, Rivers sat behind Breeze for a bit before coming in, and Rivers has had a consistently good career in terms of numbers and, and touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers, and, and yep. there, Aaron Rodgers was way too long though. Yeah, but still, Rogers sat there and waited and was eventually patient and, you know, has become a, you know, is a great quarterback. Similarly, uh, Jimmy G, Tom yeah. Brady sat behind Bledsoe for a year, you know, was just allowed to mature and do this sort of thing rather than being thrown into the wolves. And then, uh, I mean, I still think uh, um, the former Texans quarterback, Carr, yeah, uh, David yeah. Carr, David Carr. you know, he got hit more than any other quarterback in their first year, I think, in NFL history and more, and and he got basically hit out of the league because he was a terrible, terrible team around him. And he yeah. he was a guy that coming out of the draft, obviously, was you know considered one of the best players coming out of it and one of the best yeah. quarterbacks to come out of it and, and had nothing around him. And his career became nothing because of it. It's so easy to damage these young players very early on by just getting them into a psyche of it. I'm going to get hit. I don't have a line. And then you start trembling and worrying about you know people coming up the middle even when they only rush four. And that and just you puts you in more steps. of a panicky mode. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. too easy. So when when the New England Patriots go big and trade up to go and get one of these top five quarterbacks coming out of the draft this year, because Oklahoma, Ohio, uh, Bama with Tua, even though he's been injured, Oregon with Herbert, and LSU with uh, Burrow, 
have mm-hmm. all got excellent quarterbacks that are going to be in the draft this year. And the Patriots will trade up and get one. And then they'll have them him behind Brady for a year and Belichick will mould him. And the system will continue. Oh, <laughs> are, you, are you giving up on Mitch Stidham already? Uh, yeah. He looked not too bad. <laughs> yeah, no, Stid- uh, Mitch Stidham sounds like something you get at the doctor's. <laughs> I got, I got to check, I got to check out my shoulder. I'll give him, give him the old Mitch Stidham test. See what happens. Yeah, his shoulders, his shoulders screwed. He's got a Mitch Stidham right. Let's get on to playoff football because it is the World yep. Cup weekend coming up in a couple of days' time. Uh, it all starts on Saturday night with the Buffalo Bills against the Texans, followed by the Patriots against the Titans, and then it's an all-NFC Sunday with the Vikings against the Saints and then finishing off with the banger of the Seahawks against the Eagles. Uh, <laughs> let's let's start with Seahawks-Eagles then because somebody's going to be flying high out of Lincoln Financial Field and into the next round of the playoffs, into the divisional round. And I'm giving, I'm actually giving Philadelphia a real chance on this because the Seahawks are still a little bit banged up. Not as badly as the Eagles, for sure. But the Eagles have had these injuries all season now and they're finding a way to work around it. Um, Dallas Goddard has been excellent. Boston Scott has come in and been like a mini Darren Sproles, if you could get smaller than that. Uh, the offensive line is just about holding up still. And the no, depth- it's not. Is um is the your right tackle back? Gone. Is he? Wentz Wentz is still able to make plays, and he did still have a pocket every so often against the Giants. So, and but Wentz has Brandon the maneuver. Wentz has the maneuverability to be able to sit and then get out of situations. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm just saying that Philadelphia Eagles have a chance because, however, beating up the offenses as well, that run stop defense is excellent. Yep. The secondary in the last two weeks has actually played really played very well. well. Very really, yeah, well. you're playing playing against poor offenses, though. I'd say. Well, I mean, in the Cowboys, uh, you could argue actually. You know, I mean, Dak Prescott was one of the highest passing yard leaders this year, so you you are looking. Yeah, at... but we know <laughs> so those numbers are soft, Winston, don't so... we? I yeah, mean, yeah. Look, all I'm well, come on, uh, let, let's. And you the Eagles, know, the Eagles see... only give up about 18 points a game at home. Let's see how how they do against Metcalf and Lockett. Uh, it's going to be I, it's going to be a real tough situation. Malcolm Jenkins is going to be yeah. huge coming in in that safety position, but I I do think the Eagles on home soil as well have have a chance against the Seattle Big Seahawks. Big time, yeah, yeah. What, really can you give chance. us a? Do you, do you have an injury update, Ollie? Do you know anything about Sanders and Sanders is out? Okay, because they signed someone else to back him up. Lane Sanders Johnson. Lane Johnson, I think, is out. I think Brandon Brooks is out. The uh, reason why I think the Eagles don't have a chance is because the right side of their line is injured the guard right, starting guard and starting tackle are injured and that's the side that someone called Jadavian Clowney lines up on Look, trying now, to be he, confident here Jazz, right? he tends to if I'm honest with you Jadavian Clowney is a player that always offers and promises so much but doesn't really deliver as much as he should do but against backups he's usually pretty dominant so I reckon that if well he's, he's gonna, so physical isn't he yeah you're gonna drop back and pass as went Clowney's coming after you and he's pretty fast as well so it's not like you can outrun yep. him that's my feeling. So I think the Seahawks will do it based on that very simple fact of I think that Wentz will have little time and they won't be able to run up the right-hand side at all. The only other thing that I'll say to against that is that the Eagles are the best screen team in the NFL, I think, at the moment. As in, they run screen plays phenomenally well. And if yep. you can get, even with a weak line, you know, D lineman trying to streak through and then suddenly turning around and seeing somebody like Boston Scott or a little tight end screen to Dallas Goddard or something. 
it, there, there's still there's still ways around things. And I think Peter, Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz do know how to work with each other well. I think this team has gone through enough that they is chemistry with the players that they have limping around. I think the they'll moment. believe they can do it, you know. And it oh, is yeah. Oh, yeah. it's a time. Yeah, it's a, I'm I'm really pumped for it. I just can't. Be a good game. Ah, uh, yeah. It's the time. It's the time for heroes, isn't it? It could be awesome, but I just think the Seahawks are just going to have that bit more. We'll see. Uh, I was lucky enough this week. Um, I got chatting on. You should, guys should get on Twitter, man. It's quite fun, especially during NFL times, because it's really weird how Twitter. people come out and the woodwork on Twitter and you see that they're actually like big NFL fans and stuff. And uh, yeah, I got chatting with <coughs> Darren Bent on Twitter uh, during the Eagles Giants game because I noticed that he was a big Eagles fan. Darren Bent, the former Charlton Tottenham player. Former Tottenham, former Villa, England. former England. Oh, very, course, yeah. uh, what, over 100 Premier League goals, I think, as well? Like, yeah. Very credible strike ratio. Phenomenal, phenomenal footballer. And really nice guy as well, because he said he'd come and do 10 minutes to talk about the Eagles. So uh, oh, wow. without, any, without any further ado, Fantastic. Darren Bent talking a bit of Eagles and a bit of Eagles Seahawks. How did you get into American football? And as I've noticed on Twitter, how did you get into the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, to be fair, I was a big NFL fan for a long time, uh, for a while, but I, I never really had a team. And we're, we're going back about 15, 20 years now. And um, my mate, one of my best friends, who's called Ozzy Foster, he's been a Falcons fan since like, his family's from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, he, he was a couple of years above me, but we, we kind of grew up together. Um, and he was always a Falcons fan. So obviously I'd always watch the games, but I didn't really support a team. So as it, got, as it went on and on and on, um, he was like, I was like, well, how am I going to pick a team to support? And he was like, well, have you ever been anywhere? Have you ever watched any teams? I was like, well, the first, the, the one NFL stadium I've been to before was Philadelphia. And he went, well, yeah, you support them. He was like, did you like it? And I was like, yeah, the place was nice. I had a good time there. And he was like, well, that, that should be your team then. If, that, if that's the only stadium you've been to, because obviously I'd watched loads on TV, but as far as going to it, mm. the first one was Philadelphia. I, I was there on pre- a pre-season tour. We ended up training there on the complex, watching a game there and stuff. So, um, awesome. So they, that's how I became an Eagles fan. Was that the was that the vet or was that Lincoln Financial Field? Was that the new stadium? It was a new stadium, yeah. Nice. I was going to say, if you've been to the vet, you might have uh, changed your mind about that from what I've heard. I never had the luxury <laughs> of going there, but it sounded rough as houses and that was before the Philly fans got in there. Yeah. Um, it's uh, It's been a bit of a wild one for Philadelphia, but we've got the Philadelphia Eagles against the Seattle Seahawks from 9.40pm kickoff. And judging from what we saw from Seattle last week against the 49ers, there, there's a chance for Philadelphia in this one, you know. There is a chance, yeah, but you're right in what you're saying. I mean, us as Philly, we are um, absolutely um, str- we're struggling. Injuries, do you know what I mean? We've, we've, but to be fair to us, it's been next man up. I mean, we lost mm. a lot of, obviously, key wide receivers. We know we, Our running game was shot. Obviously, we lost Jordan Howard. He didn't play. We lost... Um, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, like he was out. Aguilar, then he went out. Then Deshaun Jackson, deep deep threat, he went down. But for whatever reason, with the, when we've got quarterback who, who keeps us in games and, and can play as well as he, he can do, we've always got an opportunity. Now, obviously, Seattle, listen, it's always going to be difficult going to Seattle. It's always going to be tough. Do you know what I mean? That 12th man they've got down there, it's going to be difficult. But as I said for this season, with the injuries that we've had, all I wanted us to do was get to the playoffs. Like, yeah, I'd love us to go on and win it, but I've got to be real. There's so many, we're probably the worst <laughs> team going into into the playoffs. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot stronger teams, but I just wanted us to get there and I think next season will be a lot better once the injuries come back. But I think, we've, yes, we've got a chance. I said our quarterback always gives us a chance, but 
listen, it's hard to always back against Russell Wilson in the playoffs. I like that you've inherited the uh, pessimism around Philadelphia Eagles football like I have and so many others that I've heard in, who speak in the media have this almost natural negativity towards, look, as long as we just get to the playoffs, we'll probably go out, but at least we've got a chance. I mean, it was all about this season, about keeping Dallas out of it rather than Philadelphia getting into it in the end, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I was <laughs> praying. I, I mean, I, I hate I hate the... Um, I hate the, the Cowboys with a passion. Uh, and that's only because they talk too much. You know what I mean? Considering they've, they've not won a Super Bowl since 95, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they talk way too much. I hated them. But yeah, I know I know we've kind of backed off it. I mean, nine and seven really shouldn't really get you in the playoffs. But we, we've, we've managed to get in there. But as I said, we, we won the Super Bowl a couple of years back. I'm still living off that. Because every time someone says to me, yeah, but you got rubbish, I always say we won Super Bowl. Like, that was two years ago. Well, I don't really care. You know I mean? it, was, it, it, it was the first time you know it ever been done in Philadelphia. So listen, it's it's been a tough season, but it was always enjoyable. We're always in games, and listen, I do believe even defensively this season, we look, obviously Malik Jackson. He went down. He was the big the big guy we signed in the summer. He's gone down as well. So I think next season when we're all healthy, I think we'll be serious contenders again. Do you fear Marshawn Lynch is going to be an X factor? Obviously, back in Seattle, and uh, we all know what Beast Mode does. Even if he was a week ago handing out tequilas at Oakland's final game at the Coliseum, I mean, he's another big boy after having Elliott and then Saquon Barkley that the Eagles' defense are going to have to stop tomorrow night. Do you know what? Uh, I'm not. I'm not really worried about um, our defensive line um, mm. against the run. It's not so bad. Our, our problem's been the secondary. Yeah. Against the pub, we, we get torched. If you've got a bit of pace, I mean, listen, Saquon's a different animal. And that, that touchdown he scored was insane. But if you if you think about the game, he didn't do anything for that, for that two and a half quarters, three quarters. And he, that one big run was the only really time he got free. Mm. But other than that, we were decent against the run. But obviously, our, it's our secondary that's been... And again, injuries again. Obviously, Ronald Darby, he's gone down now. He didn't play the other day. But as I said, we're doing really well. But Marshall Lynch, it's how effective can he be? Do you know what I mean? Like I know, I know what it's like when obviously different sport, football, when you've had an injury and you've been off for six months. Do you know what I mean? Or however long it's been. Say you've been out for three, four months trying to get your rhythm back. Now this is a completely different sport, and he's been sitting on his his couch on his <laughs> his sofa for a year and a half. So will he will he have that same pop that he had? I'm not quite sure, but listen, you know, we're not beast I was like. When, if he is, if he is at it, then he's incredibly tough to stop. I, I mean, you know about obviously being involved, as you say, in, in team sports and uh, the attitude of next man up when you have these big injury crises. I'm sure you've been involved in a squad at some point that's gone through a real rough injury patch. Is it one of those things though that can can galvanise a team and bring them together in that sense, and you have more chemistry? Yeah, the most definitely. I mean, we saw that against the Giants that last game. Do you know I mean, it was difficult at the time where it was as I said three nil. Then three three, then obviously ten, <coughs> ten three, then it was ten all. But you're right, the young guy, the guys who we, we signed with the practice squad. I mean, some of them I think got um, active. I think that morning or the day before off the practice squad. But you're right in what you're saying is that it, every I'm I'm a firm believer that everyone deserves an opportunity to play. And listen, if you're on a practice squad in an NFL capacity, then you're good enough. You, you, you're already one of the elite. So it's just about when you get in that opportunity, you've got to take it. And as I said, our, our running game and um, our wide receivers, we've been shot. Obviously, we lost as well. Zach Ertz, our tight end as well. Mm. But Dallas Goddard stepped up. I mean, we've probably got the two best tight ends in, in, in football uh, as a one and two. But listen, uh, Byron Scott as well, when he stepped up, wow. Do you know I mean, these guys, it's about being ready, I think. When, when you are not the main guy and you kind of back up practice squad, at some stage, you do get an opportunity. Unless you're a, quarter, a second string quarterback, it's, it's hard sometimes, you know what I mean? But it's always next man up. And as I said, the guys for us have been absolutely tremendous who stepped up and got us over the line. Now it's about them going to the next the next level, which is obviously the postseason, which is where 
now listen this is where we'll, we'll see who, who can really step up to the mark and who can't uh, let's run through then the uh, the games that are coming up this week and uh, that we have left anyway with the New England Patriots taking on the Tennessee Titans do you back the Titans to do it then quick yes or no no Patriots Patriots oh come on Darren. listen like- listen I hate the Patriots honestly more than them and the Cowboys I can't stand but we've seen it before amount of times we've said oh yeah this is Patriots they're, they're falling off a cliff and bang they get to the Super Bowl mm, true very true what about the New Orleans Saints against the Minnesota Vikings I'm going to say the Saints Father Time's not catching up with Drew Brees then unbelievable <laughs> No, but not 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 when you've got that them weapons that that Kamara and uh, Michael Thomas. No way, and and Drew Brees is still looking very very good. So I got him going with the Saints and the Seattle Seahawks heading to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Is there some bias in this one, or are we going to play it down the straight and narrow? Listen, I will never ever back against the the, the Eagles ever. <laughs> so no matter how many injuries we got, so I'm going to say the um, I'm going to say the Eagles win twenty seven twenty. Big uh, big thanks to Darren Bent for giving us in- insight and. I like the fact he said, I can't bet against the Eagles, which, to be honest, I have done like the last two weeks. <laughs> so I can't yeah, say I live by that To your shame as well, because I'm, I'm never going to be betting against the Falcons on this podcast. Uh, whatever. Ever. Whatever. Look, I'm, I'm a realist. I'm a, and, and I'm a pessimist as an Eagles fan. But I'm If believing. you're a realist, then you'd recognise that the Seahawks are the favourites in this. No, and there's a reason no. why. No, because now I've got the playoff, the playoff jumps. Like, I'm feeling good. Suddenly. We're in the, we're on the dance floor, baby. We're on the dance floor. We just need somebody oh to take our hand God. and swing us around and get us all the way to the Super Bowl. And Doug no, Peterson. I just feel, I just feel like gonna... a, a protective parent who's seeing their kid on the jungle gym for the first time, <laughs> yeah. and they're just like, God, just don't, just don't, don't go too far. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a bit of Saints against the Vikings, which is another odd one, which, what, the first podcast or so that we did, I was saying that I'm kind of uninterested by the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. They weren't that interesting. And to be honest, it's something that's happened with almost every single one of these playoff teams this year that I've thought, actually, they're not all that in a bag of potato chips at times. And they've all had little rough runs and slightly bland spells. But the Saints have finished the season something different, and it's ridiculous. They've just been really consistent. I mean, all year, even when Bridgewater was in, they've been consistent. The only trouble they've had is having Kamara really run the ball properly. But then when they had him down and Murray was in, Murray was running it brilliantly. And now Kamara looks—I'm not saying he looks like uh, he was a year ago. He looked a bit more explosive. But he looks better, and. I just can't see. I don't know about you guys, but I just can't see a way the Vikings are going to get this done. Unless the Saints somehow have a meltdown like they did against the the Falcons in week 14 or whenever that was. I just can't see them, the Vikings winning this. There's one big reason why it. they won't win it. Kirk Cousins. Wrong. He's just not good enough. Wrong. No, definitely right. We'll, we'll wait and find why out. Why is that Why is I'll that happily wrong? eat my words next, I don't think it's week. all on Kirk Cousins. And I, no, I but we're talking about Kirk Cousins, right? If you've got if you've got Kirk Cousins in a two minute drill at the end of that game, it's and he's got to go sixty yards to win it, don't, don't tell him. me that you're going to be like, oh, Kirk's it's got like this. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's never going to happen. But if it's no. Drew Brees, you'd be like, yeah, that could probably happen. Yeah, if it's like one of you know maybe eight quarterbacks in the league. No, but I just find it's a really easy but scapegoat he's not one of for everything against the Minnesota Vikings. Is always put yeah. on Kirk Cousins all the no, time. No, I agree. That's... I agree, but it is the most important position in the sport. And it's justified. And, 
and it's doing worse than how Case Keenum did. So I just, I just think Cousins has. That's probably, the yardstick, though, isn't it for him? Cousins has had a a tougher ride with the injuries at running back that they've had this year, and the lack of uh, Adam Thielen and Diggs as a tandem for a lot of the year as well. Which I know some people will say, well, he took Adam Thielen out of the game by throwing that touchdown to him against Detroit uh, midway through the season. And that's when Thielen picked up his first injury of the year and kind of he's carried that all the way through. But I just, I don't think that you can put everything down on Kirk Cousins. I think you can oh, put, no, I think not, you can put a lot of it down on Well, their defense, their defense well. hasn't been, hasn't been good enough either. I mean, you know, that's supposed to be one of their real strengths. Ranked 14, in the, wise, ranked 14 in the league uh, yeah. in yards on them. Which is very middle of the uh, middle of the, I, pack. I, middle of the road. I think all yeah. of all of the defensive metrics you can look at, they're roughly in the middle. They're like that kind of, yeah, like twelve to twenty kind of range. Fourth on defensive you know? turnovers, though, I will say they're good at getting the oh, ball that's back. Strong. Which is well, kind of surprising, but yeah, they've got um, what's his name, Hunter, um, who's like finished with fourteen sacks. Uh, he's quality, that guy. He's only like twenty-five or something. Daniel um, Hunter, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but uh, so you know, if they can get, and it's the kind of thing that if they're their defense and, and their Smith's offense back there too, doing wonders as well. Yeah, I mean, if they can get enough pressure on Breeze and Kamara doesn't really show up, then they can really slow them down. And Cousins, you know, I, I don't think he's the answer, but he's got some big plays in him to digs for sure. You know, I could see them those guys linking up for two touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised. The way the Vikings can can get into this game is if, uh, I mean, Dalvin Cook at the beginning of the year in the first, what, six weeks or so was the best off-tackle runner, I think, in in the league. Going up the middle, not not quite as good, but going off the edge, I thought Dalvin Cook was phenomenal. And if they can get that working and they can stretch the Saints' defense using the run game, then is he healthy now though well he's, he's full practice he's this down week to play yeah but how healthy i know he's gonna play but is he is he gonna be 100 percent? you know doesn't doesn't matter at this point you've got to have him in there because they don't really have much without him do they i mean uh madison no. as well was um was full in practice this that's week that's exactly it though isn't it they don't have much without him because they haven't got Kirk cousins to rely on well because yeah, reliable passing games so if anything only you've just backed up my point thank you mate no <laughs> yeah okay cheers jess no um <laughs> It's more that without, if you don't have the Vikings are a team that do need a running game, and I don't think Kirk Cousins is a guy that's going to win you games on his own, but he's not losing you games either. That's the that's my thing. It is harsh, you know. To to your defensive cousins, you know, I think any of the top quarterbacks in the league when they lose their number one receiver in Thielen, you know, he's the chain mover. Diggs is the big big play, blow the top off the defense guy. You know, you 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 haven't got Thielen healthy for the majority of the year you know that is going to affect you massively when you're still kind of learning a new offense as well you should um, be learning now well no years, i don't mean learning season. but you know but it's not like he's been there this is only his second year isn't it yeah but that's the second year he's had all of the, all of one off season a whole extra season playing and then a whole another off season and then the rest of the regular season to learn it and if you have an offensive coach who's teaching you it, they won't be saying, here's a 500-page playbook, read the whole thing. That's okay. Let's learn 10 15. Let's learn 30 to 40. And let's slowly build it up over time. So he's had plenty of time to build that up in his mind. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm on your side of the fence on this. So, no, I know uh, you are. You're just trying to give a bit of... Di- I'm, I'm just trying, trying to... Just trying to give- Bills, Texans... Watson, 
And uh, this is a your, tough your one. best mate, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, yeah. I'm eating my words on that one, can't I? <laughs> Every week you are, yeah. You're not. You're not really eating your words. You know, well, he I made still the playoffs, that... didn't he? So he's eating the words a little bit. It's, but it's uh... not. It's not Josh Allen, except it kind of is because he's used his legs so much as well. But I don't think he's a good quarterback. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is this is a fun one though, because the bills are the bills are quite enjoyable to watch. Uh, but Watson, however much you people say he holds the ball too long, Jazz, you've said that, haven't you? Nope. Oh, somebody, somebody said to me this week, you oh, he people. holds the ball too long. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he Let's actually... Let's get past that one, shall we? <laughs> when, he, when he does hold the ball for a long period of time, he's does, able he's to, trying to get to out play. of situations. Yeah, yeah, and he's able to get out of situations probably better than any other quarter, quarterback that you see in terms of extending it this year. He's probably been better than Wilson at doing that because he's been in far more difficult situations with like three guys hanging off him at some times and he's still yeah. able to get out and, and get find a receiver. In the eye. Yeah. I mean, the thing with him is if you're going to argue that he holds the ball too much, <coughs> I'm never going to do, he's going to take more sacks, which is fine, but you're going to have that chance for the players to extend. I mean, Big Ben's early career was that's how he used to play. He used to play improvisational football where it's okay, the play's completely broken up. Now let's run around and try and find someone open. And that's how they got their success and big the Steelers got their success offensively for many, many years until Ben realised he can't really take the beating like he has been doing. The thing with Watson is he hasn't at that point yet because he's so much more athletic. Yet the way he improvises isn't to try and then run for the first down. He's trying to wait and see if the receiver comes open because he knows that Hopkins or Fuller's on the field will create separation at some point and he will be able to find them because his arm is that good. Fuller's a game-time decision. Yeah, I know. He's always the game time decisions Will Fuller. He's always yeah. been the player that every week is, if he's on the field, he might get you 10 or 15 plays and then his hamstring will go. That tends, tends to be the option with him. Looks like say, JJ Watt's playing though. Yeah, doesn't that just mean that we'll see Will Fuller for like two drives and then everything he'll else go. is about 50-50, what else is up in the air? I don't so, think he'll play. So the Texans need to start brightly then because without Will Fuller, that offense doesn't move half as well. And they haven't got a great... They've got a good running back tandem, but it's not great. Carlos Hyde has been it's better than you, we thought. They can games. move the ball, yeah, but they're not going to get huge breakaway scores or anything. Does JJ no, Watt they... coming back seem desperate? I think it's great for the leadership on the field if he if he does play. Um, if they choose so the plays he plays too, just like third downs and rushing things. Yeah, as to exactly. You know, goal down. line stands in the red zone. You know, I think it could give a huge boost to that defense because it is statistically not a good defense the the bills have got a massive edge there their defense is is so much better than the texans but do you think a bit of that might be also because they're on the field as much as they are because watson's and the uh watson and the texans offense is not exactly a control the clock grind the plays out and keep the defense off the field are they unlike the ravens defense which will have a, a much greater time of possession than the off the texans offense will have do you know what i mean I don't know. I'd like to see the stats on that, Jazz, because their time in possession, because it... Let's see if I can find it. I don't know. It. Well, the Texans yeah, have... I'd be Texans... interested to see what there is on that, because oh, well, they, they have got a running game. Well, they average, do seem to move the ball. Their average drive time is 2 minutes 51 off the clock, and they average 6... <laughs> isn't great. They average 6.1 plays per drive, so they're not the longest average. That's poor. Of... Where does that... Does it, have they ranked that? But the, the Bills is lower. Um, oh really? Yeah. Uh, so statistically, the the Texans, the team wise, average thirty four point two yards per drive, which offensively is actually eighth in the league. 
mm-hmm. whereas the Bills average 28.5 yards a drive, which is 24th in the league. But what time is that on each one? Uh, time for the Bills is 2.35 off the clock, and time for the Texans is 2.51. Not much of a difference. God, it could be could be quite a uh, low scoring game then. Really, but that does it? tend that does kind of highlight your point that Jazz, in a very similar amount of time, the Texans are able to move the ball a little further because they are a bit more of a big play offense more than anything else. What about the Ravens? Just out of interest, I uh, haven't got the Ravens right here with me, but I can have a gander if you want to. Actually, I tell you what. While while you're looking at that, thinking about that, and while I look that up, um, spoke to sideline reporter uh, on game days for the Buffalo Bills, Sal Capaccio. Uh, and he gave us an insight into the Bills, their overall season, and a little bit of a look as well at this playoff game against the Texans coming up. This is a good time of year for you, right? Yeah, you know, normally I am covering the end of the year, locker clean out, uh, talking about what's going to happen next year. Sometimes even firings of coaches and general managers. I've been through that plenty of times, but uh, not this year, man. Preparing for an NFL playoff game, it's pretty cool. And we're really loving it here in Buffalo for sure. Who do you give the most credit to for this rise of the Buffalo Bills? Because, I mean, speaking as a, as a neutral fan, particularly when it comes to the AFC East, aside from obviously a dislike of the Patriots, like the majority of NFL fans here in the UK who aren't Patriots fans, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, who, who gets the credit for where Buffalo have come from? I don't want to cop out here, but I, I think it is really both of them together because of their relationship and how you know they have been on the same Uh, They have the same vision and their relationship really kind of leads to everything being in conjunction together. And that has not been the case here in Buffalo in the many years I've covered this team. It's really been mostly um, a head coach and a GM with different philosophies, different agendas, ownership, you know, having to decide which one they want to go with. Well, you have everybody in concert now. And that's the first time we've had that here in Buffalo. Um, Now, obviously, Sean, on a day to day basis, coaches this team. And I love the way he coaches them. He's really gotten them to be consistent, has a certain culture and a certain standard here on a daily basis that I think deserves a lot of credit. But at the same time, Brandon Bean and his staff, they've found really good players to add and, and they understand you know, what this team particularly needs. And at the same time, it's not just that. The future is really bright. I'll tell you, they, they're not just a team that's won 10 games going to the playoffs this year. They have $90 million in cap space. They have nine draft picks in seven rounds next year. So the window is just opening for this team, and I, I give credit to both those guys. It's um, it's a phenomenal defense <laughs> that Sean McDermott and uh, and this team has been able to put together, to be honest, this year. Uh, and that that's kind of been the highlight, I guess, with what a lot of people have focused their attention on. But yeah, offensively... Yeah, no doubt about it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you. Go ahead. Sorry, aren't offensively this Bills team kind of going under the radar slightly? Yeah, but, you know, they are still struggling offensively in a lot of respects. They don't put enough points on the board generally. They have to rely on their defense. They lean on their defense. And, you know, that's kind of by design right now because they know that they're still in the process of building this offense. It has been much better than last year. They really have um, a a much better ability to, you know, move the ball and not rely on the defense solely to win games. But at the same time, if that defense falters, this offense is not good enough to really bail them out at this point. The defense is very, very good, though. They're number two in the entire league in scoring. They've al- they allowed only 16 points a game, which is great. Uh, they finished really in the top five in most ma- major categories as far as yards and things like that. The one thing they didn't do very well, and they didn't score this year to help out their offense, and that's just by happenstance and luck sometimes. But, you know, they finally they got to the quarterback better as the season went on. They got turnovers better as the season went on. Um, but they are... They- 
They are the backbone of this team. There's still some work to do on offense, but the offense is just good enough to allow that defense to do what they do and then compliment them. As a guy that's followed the Bills, obviously, for a number of years and is very close to the team, would you rather see a, a side built around a defense wins championships kind of mentality and then the offense comes after that? Or would you rather see perhaps because the, the NFL is so offensively biased almost at this point? No, I, I'd rather see them get into the 21st century, so to speak, with you know the offense and being a, uh, an offensive unit that can really score 28, 30 points, um, you know, because that's what it takes to win this league. The It's a passing game. It's the offense. It's offensive players. The rules are set up for it. Now, that said, there's only so much you can do. If you don't have a team like that, then, you know, you play the way your team is, is built. And this team is built towards its defense. They, they don't have – they're not trying to be someone they're not. That's one thing I really like about, you know, this coaching staff. They're not trying to do something they're not. They know that they are built on defense. They know they struggle on offense right now, and that's a process – so that's what they're leaning on. So they're not trying to get out of character and say, well, we got to be like every other team in this league and try and score a whole, a whole lot of points. Um, so I would love to see it the other way. But look, Sean McDermott, as you said, and Leslie Frazier are really, really good defensive coaches. And I think it's great having them here because you're giving yourself a shot to win every week, whether that's against Tom Brady or Deshaun Watson this week, Lamar Jackson. They're always going to have a good game plan and they're going to give their team a chance to win because of their defense, which is great. Uh, you've spoken to him, I'm sure, a number of times throughout the season. What What is Devin Singletary like as a, as a young running back who's basically had uh, a, a lot of this running offense has been put on his shoulders um, and he's kind of almost quite lucky in the situation he's in that he's able to learn from an experienced veteran like Frank Gore. Yeah, and he's talked about that a lot, you know, learning from Frank. You're really watching Frank at practice. Frank just goes about his business the right way. He's a true professional. He's been in this league a long time. Devin is a great kid. I call him a kid because I'm, you know, more than 20 years older than him now. Um, and he is just a, a really good individual. He's team first. And he never complained about not getting the ball early enough, even when we all kind of did. Uh, he never complained about uh, not coming back from the hamstring injury when some people felt maybe he was ready, but the team just slow played it. And they really kind of pushed the right buttons there. And they've allowed him to grow into this role. He's a really, really good person, but he's also an excellent football player. I love his elusiveness, uh, his ability to find space. Uh, he's much harder to bring down than people give him credit for. This is a kid that in three years at FAU scored 66 touchdowns. That's amazing. Those are incredible numbers. Um, and you know, he's done a really nice job for the Buffalo Bills this year. And I think they found a running back that they can lean on here for several years to come. I mean, it all seems to be, as you, as you mentioned earlier, so it's building up to something potentially fantastic in the next two or three years or so with this Buffalo Bills roster. Has it for you kind of come out of, of nowhere a little bit, the success of the the last year or two? You know, um, I think this year was a little bit more of exceeding expectations for me. I, I, I predicted this team would be around nine wins and compete for a playoff spot at the end. As it turns out, they had 10 wins. They had clinched early. They had a chance for 11. Probably would have got there if they didn't rest their starters against the Jets here last week. But I, I don't think it's really surprising that after three years of this regime that they are where they are, going back to what we talked about earlier. Mm. I saw the, 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 the foundation being laid. Uh, three years ago. And look, you have to remember too, the previous coach here was Rex Ryan. I mean, going from him and his personality and the type of atmosphere and culture he built to Sean McDermott, it's such a 180. And me personally, McDermott's more my kind of guy. He's more my kind of football coach. I, you know, Rex Ryan was more about, you know, rah, rah, and, you know, we're going to win because we have this great, you know, energy and attitude. And yeah, you want that stuff if you're Sean McDermott, but Sean's more about actually building a football team and paying attention to the details and showing up to practice and to work every day and knowing exactly what it takes to win, not on a week to week basis or game to game basis, but on a day to day and hour to hour basis. And 
you know, I, I love that. And I saw that two years ago when they did get into the playoffs and they certainly had a better year than most people thought they would. And I thought that this team would be set up for a, a chance this year. But, you know, this year came a little bit uh, earlier than I thought as far as their wins and their ability to get to the playoffs. Okay, last one before we look at the game ahead coming up against the Houston Texans on the weekend. The the most surprising facet of this Buffalo Bills team in terms of uh, which area of the field has kind of jumped out and, and stepped up more than any other in terms of you know linebacking core, secondary, etc. You know, I, I would say the best unit on the team is the secondary, but I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. They have very good players back there. I think the most surprising would be the offensive line. And here's why. They went out and they retooled the entire offensive line. Uh, you go back to last year, one, one returning starter in the offensive line, left tackle Deion Dawkins. The other four, all brand new. Quentin Spain at left guard, Mitch Morris at center, right guard, John Feliciano, and then right tackle Ty Inseki, now Cody Ford. Every one of them is new to this roster. They weren't even just here and not playing. They were on other teams or in college last year. So for them to be able to be thrown together and to be able to have the season they've had to allow Devin Singletary to be amongst the league leaders in yards per carry. And, oh, by the way, people don't know this. This is a team now that, uh, despite Josh Allen and his you know scrambling and getting sacked sometimes, they have the 10th lowest uh, sacks per pass attempt allowed in the league. And I think the offensive line's done an excellent job. Okay, let's look ahead to the game against Houston because, obviously, this is what we're all waiting for. Another Bills playoff game and a really good chance, to be honest, looking at this Houston Texans <clears> team. <throat> to go out there and, and get a victory on the road and put themselves in the divisional round of the playoffs. I mean, chances like this don't come up too often for a lot of NFL teams. And, and Bills fans and the players must be champing at the bit to, to get their hands now down and on the dirty stuff on Saturday. Oh, no doubt about it. Everybody's talking about the matchup, you know, how these teams will fare against one another. And I think if you ask most Bills fans, they, they like this matchup. This is a better matchup than some of the other teams that could have been in the AFC. Uh, because what the Texans do well, I think, is what the Bills are good and equipped at stopping, and that is the pass play, the big play specifically. They love the big play. The Bills are a defense that does not give up the big play. They keep everything in front of them. And then you have to factor in what a great matchup it's going to be, DeAndre Hopkins against uh, a Tredavious White. I mean, that's going to be a fantastic matchup. Last year they played, and uh, Hopkins did score a touchdown, but it was a great throw. It was actually very good coverage. White had him, but Tredavious White hasn't allowed a touchdown all season. He's been tremendous. And then you talk about the Bills' run game, and that's been good this year, and it's been a little leaky on defense for the Texans, so I think a lot of Bills fans think they can make some hay in the run game considering uh, this Texans' defense gives up uh, some yards. I think they're averaging like 170 yards the last three games given up on the run uh, against the run. So this is an interesting matchup, and I think that to me it comes down to as long as Josh Allen and the Bills' offense can take care of the football and not give any freebies away – to the doubt to the Houston Texans offense, I think the Bills should at least be able to score, you know, twenty to twenty-three points somewhere in there in this defense all year long. They really haven't allowed that as that that type of number on defense. Only a game here, a game there. So I think it gives them an opportunity. Is it about containment on Watson at quarterback, or is it about coverage sacks? Yeah, it's containment and coverage. But it's you know he's not a guy. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not going to run all over you, but he certainly can run, and they're not afraid to do that. But he's a great passer from the pocket. He's accurate. And I think you really have to kind of make him go off his first read, make him scramble around a little, make him hold on to the ball, try to find someone there. And then from there, it's about containing him in the pocket as much as you can. The Bills did a great job on Lamar Jackson, one of the best all year of any team in this league. He really had nowhere to go. He had a 16-yard run early in the game. And then the rest of the game, he only had like 20-something yards rushing. So they did a nice job on him. But look, Deshaun Watson, he's the key to the game here for the Texans. He can change a game in one or two plays and then it's over for you, and they can win the game that way. So 
I would say more about coverage, having good coverage on those guys and forcing Deshaun Watson to have to find other ways to beat you. So how many tables are you taking down to Houston? <laughs> I don't think they'll allow that in the team plan. <laughs> I travel with the team. I'm the sideline reporter on the radio. So I'll leave that to Bill's Mafia. <laughs> Fair enough. Sal, have a great time down in Houston. Uh, best of luck on the weekend, of course, and uh, have a great new year as well, mate. Yeah, always good to talk to you. Glad to hear from you again, man. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, all right, big thanks to Sal for uh, giving us some insight into the Buffalo Bills. This season. I mean, Tredavion White as a corner, that's going to be fantastic for them. I imagine he'll just be keeping an eye on Hopkins for most of the day long to try and shut down the Texans and, and, and slow down that deep threat that they've got. Um, in terms of the Baltimore Ravens, Jazz, as you were asking, they average uh, 39.3 yards per drive, 6.58 yards uh, plays sorry, per drive, and 3 minutes 21 off the clock per drive. Uh, the yards is the second highest in the league, and the other two are the highest in the league. So, What are you showing know. as Jazz? Oh, just you keep saying Tredavion. Oh, Tredavious, yeah, excuse me. Oh, right. <laughs> just trying to, just trying to do so it slowly confused. so no one can hear me, but whatever. No, it's all right, don't worry. I uh, look, I'm, I'm going to blame everything on being blocked up so my pronouncing my words differently because of all the nasal stuff I mean, and the sexy right. voice is, your... is half gone which is a shame <laughs> is, yeah. is your brain kind of half scrambled as well yeah yeah very much so all right very much so. it didn't have much to start off it with explains either, so. a lot but yeah in terms of bill's side of the ball then uh devin singledy and frank gore is the running back tandem i mean they had a bit of chance to rest as well last week yep josh allen hmm. Look, Still not sure anymore. De- the, the Bills' defense is going to win them the game and going to determine how far they go in the playoffs, isn't it, at the end of the day? And how often they can get the ball to John Brown. That's what's going to determine the game. That's fundamentally it, from my point of view. White against Hopkins is going to be a great matchup. Yep. That's one of the best things I'm looking looking forward to. And John Brown against that Texan secondary. There's, there's, he's he's going to get opportunities to have a long touchdown in that game. Oh, they yeah. they were thin on the ground poor. midway through the season and beating up that secondary. I mean, oh, yeah. It comes down to the pass rush. It comes down to the Texans' pass rush. If Merciless and Watt, if Watt's healthy enough to actually play properly, if Watt and Merciless coming after you, there's no reason why you shouldn't get a lot of pressure on Allen. The issue you have then is that Allen's also very nifty. Nifty? Nimble on his feet and can run for decent gains. And that might be where the problems lie. So you might have to have someone like Ben Bendarek McKinney just spying on him the entire game, which then weakens your coverage in the middle of, middle of the field. Dave, anything to add? No, I'm happy with that. I think it's going to be – it's a really tough one to call. I think it's one – you know, we'll get to the bets, but I think it's a really, really tough one to call. I think that's the one I'm – That's the hardest I'm one, least, I think. Yeah, I'm least sure about because the Texan, Texans go missing all the time. And yeah, they're so inconsistent. And they they have a poor playoff record under Bill O'Brien, and the Bills we still kind of don't know who they are, yeah, really. Bill, you know, and Bill this O'Brien's is... showered in glory now, isn't he? I mean, Bill O'Brien's <laughs> the man that's taken the reins front and front of house and on the field too, and it's kind of worked out for him. He's got to be riding a wave of positivity coming into the playoffs for once. Well, he's got all the power, but that doesn't mean that he's going to get the result. And his trades have worked. Like I said, like we said before, the Tunsil trade has been great and also Kenny Stills has come in and done a pretty good job for them too so you can't yeah, argue that his moves yeah. have done quite well no 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 I think it's a good start but you know if you look how long has he been the head coach there is it is it fifth year this year I think so it might be longer to he, be honest it seems like he needs there. to get results now you know and if he can't he should be beating this Bills team at home if the Texans are 
going to be a legit team. Yeah, he should win this game. But I don't know if he will. I think it's a bit of a coin flip. Pats against Titans. Oh, exciting. I'm so excited. By, as, by me as the fall of Brady, the rise of Tannehill. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wow. That's, or it could be the uh, the rise of Mitch Stidham, my friend. It's a dolphin in disguise going into Gillette Stadium, and he's going to find the big man, the man that runs and receives like a prime time Terrell Owens, AJ Brown, Derek Henry's. Yep. Oh, AJ Brown! No, I'm AJ so Brown's more like To mixed with Anquan Bolden. He's so physical. <coughs> he's an absolute beast, that guy. What Tio was, he looks Tio was so super much bigger. No, Tio was a little slighter than uh, AJ Brown is. AJ Brown's thicker and more muscular, like Anquan Bolden was. But with he Tio's looks huge heart. to me. He looks like a running back when you see him in some from some angles with I the think... with the pads on. There's it's something like the old school about him, like his frame. Yeah, I don't know what his shoulder span is, but he just looks like beast. He's beast span straight out of the is. 80s. It's incredible. Absolute, yeah, it looks like he's wearing boss. the 80s pads, doesn't it? Like massive, yeah. huge shoulder pads, but he's not. It's just how massive he is. Oh, I love him. And the, um, yeah, it's going to be so interesting seeing him against that secondary, against Gilmore. Um, oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. I, I'm really, really excited. They play a lot of uh, lot of man coverage. Um, so, so you imagine yeah, that I Gilmore's on, on um, AJ Brown. Yeah. Let's then think that if Corey Davis comes up to play, maybe he has to have a big game in order for them to have a chance of winning from a passing point of view. Or the tight end, Jonu Smith, who is exceptionally rapid for a tight end. If he comes to play, and they might get some big plays out of him. But it depends who's covering they've, them. They've just been more vulnerable to the pass, haven't they? I mean, not just in the in that loss to the, the Dolphins, the Pats, but you know, in the in the weeks before that. Yeah. They're just not the defense as in that secondary that they were in the beginning of the year. Because and they play gone. you know, I, I don't know if, if Belichick's going to change it up or not, but because they play a lot of a lot of man coverage and they try and cram the box with defenders, you know how are they going to are they going to change that up now? The secondary's not there because that all relies on Gilmore and the others shutting them down. So there's not that deep threat. So were they are they going to change it up? Do you think? It's hard to say, isn't it? I know. I just to. maybe be on the fly sort yeah. of changes. So maybe they've got a plan for if everything goes to how they think it should go. That's what they'll yep. do. Or maybe it'll be a case of if everything changes, they might then completely alter their their plans and go so to the better. So interesting. Yeah, and you, do, you you just don't know. You know, We're all so excited about this game, but it could just, you know, Belichick just co- could come out and just out-coach. Yep, there's always that. You know, he's very yep. good at doing that. Taking he could the just one get, he could just get like it done away. again, you know. It's kind of weird coming out of that, that bye week that the Pats had midway through the season when... They were so good, as you said, Dave, against the pass. They didn't have a 300-yard passing game on them. They only had two games that were over 200 yards passing on them throughout the year going into their bye week. And then coming out of it, they let up 212 yards against the Cowboys, 224 against the Texans, 271 against the Chiefs. And those are three good passing teams with three good quarterbacks, and the Cowboys were in there kind of in swing at that point in the season but at the same time you know it's suddenly a dramatic drop off to the the shutdown kind of situations that we were seeing the pats in and then and then to give up 326 yards to ryan fitzpatrick oh, no. on the final weekend of the season 
I mean, and you know they're they're coming in against you know statistically the best quarterback in the league over the last eight weeks or so. The, yeah. the, his first in passer rating, his first in yards per attempt. Do you think first it helps yards per drive. that they know Tannehill, or do you think Tannehill's in such a different situation to the one in Miami it's that they don't yeah. know Tannehill? You don't know what he's going to do. You have an idea. Well, of what I don't he's think any do of us knew Tannehill. <laughs> I mean, I don't think his Ryan own mum would have thought that his season would have been this good. It's ridiculous. Especially in relief of Mariota, because everyone thought Mariota was going to be doing what Tannehill's been doing, which is making big plays and making big plays with his legs. Yet Tannehill, who should, in theory, be the, the inferior quarterback, has outplayed Mariota left, right and centre. I think it's a great story. You know, obviously I really want the Pats to lose because I don't want to see them in the playoffs anymore. But, you know, even if they were playing another team, you know, if Tannehill goes on a run in the playoffs that's incredible yeah it's absolutely incredible what he's done this season so um yeah one more win would be great at least would be good just going back to the patriots defense quickly um yeah. i just brought up the fantasy bits and pieces because that's quite a good way of looking back on it the first nine weeks up to their bye week in week 10 they played the steelers the dolphins when they had rosen playing jets without donald the bills so they had a decent game there and the Redskins the Giants the Jets the Browns and the Ravens and only one of those team was in the top 10 of offenses to play in the defenses fantasy wise which is the Ravens the rest of them are 26 27 29 16 25 27 so you have yeah and the Ravens didn't need to pass on them that night because no, there was 210 yards on the ground so it's like, precisely you know. so you had teams who this is what I was saying early on in the season to you guys anyway, was although the Pats defences looked very good, who have they played? And they didn't really play anyone of any note at all. Yeah. So when you break that down, we're now seeing what the defence really is as opposed to what it was when they're playing against poor teams. I mean, they only beat a banged-up Eagles side that were far worse than the Eagles team that we're seeing now were playing far worse, that's for sure, by seven points. Yeah. Yep. So, look. I just think that it just shows to show that Brady was saying that the special teams and the defense has been winning it for them. The defense isn't going to win it for them anymore. So they're going to have to really pull their fingers out on offense in order to really make some, well, take some pressure off the defense itself. And if you have to rely on special teams to win a game, although you've got to be good in all three phases, you don't want to rely on that because the number of times you get punt returns or kickoff returns is so rare that you can't rely on it at all. The one place they it's have t- improved has been the rushing game, though, New England, over the last few weeks, particularly... Yeah, they do look better. Because they the had to. Because <laughs> they had to. Yeah. Yeah, they've got Michelle going. I think um, Burkhead's come in with some contributions as well. And James for, White. It does look better. 430-plus yard games on the ground in the last five weeks for the Patriots. So you, there's always there is always a way. But who's the best running back on the field? I mean, if Derek, if Derek Henry, you know, again, this might be injuries are injuries are really ham- hampering these playoff games, aren't they? Mm. I mean, I suppose it's kind of like that every year, but it it yeah. does feel like so much depends on you know we're looking at every matchup and we're like, is Will Fuller playing? How is Derek Henry looking? Have well, the Eagles the got Fuller anybody to pass to? <laughs> yeah, but it's just. You know, I think the Derek Henry is the key, isn't he? I mean, if he if he rushes for 150 yards and gets then the score, it just opens everything up, doesn't it? Yeah, because then it means that they'll have to start loading the box to try and beat him. 
And yep. if they do that, then in theory, AJ Brown should be more free. I'm sure I read somewhere as yep. well, Derek Henry, that he's faced on 35% of the snaps he's been on, he's seen an eight-man box, which is higher than any other running back. So teams are even trying to stop Respect. him, and he's still getting yards as he is. So it's not as if he's been on a team which is a pass-happy team, and it means he's facing weaker fronts with nickel cornerbacks in rather than lots of linebackers. Also, isn't it weird that Derek Henry's the rushing leader this year? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, he always he always promises that he could do it, doesn't he? When you think about what he does, he gets you that three or four yard gain or a seventy yard touchdown. He's so big and so strong and also extremely rapid that you should expect more from him. The issue he's had has been injuries, from my point of view, and I think that's one of the reasons why he's been quite inconsistent on a year to year basis. Is he hasn't had the number of games healthy as he has, especially this year. So I think if you have him healthy. For 16 games, you're going to get this. But it is, it's a massive increase. I mean, he's outdone his best season, which was last year, by 500 yards. So by 50%. Like, yeah, how many games did he play last year? Uh, he had he played 16, started 12. Like the previous two, his first two years in the league, he, he played 15 and 16, but only started two of them. Yep. So yeah. he has so had injuries is, that have been the problem. Because he had DeMarco this... Murray in front of him in the first, first you, two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... It, and then who's their other running back? Dion, Dion Lewis. Dion Lewis, because he was still featuring a lot last year before yeah, they, they realised that were sharing Henry a load was the man. There's been a couple a of games this year where Henry's been playing a little bit and Dion Lewis has come in as massive relief and actually played quite well in relief of him. Well, Lewis is a nice versatile back that they can do that in the same yeah. same like a Darren Sproles was with Ladanian Tomlinson. You know, a small nippy guy they can use easily in the pass game, in the screen game, but also his I was going to say, yeah, he's... he's... He's make, got good hands, doesn't he? Makes him evasive as well in in the run game yeah. behind a big stacked yeah. offensive line. But I, yeah. just it, it's 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 just weird that I, nobody had Derek Henry on their list. I mean, you look down the rushing leaders this year: seconds Nick Chubb, thirds McCaffrey, fourth Elliott. Those top three behind Henry would have all been in potential contenders to be top three. Like it's gone as it should be, except for Derek Henry. Blowing him out of the water by, what, 50, 60 yards or so. Who was fifth? Fifth was Chris Carson out of Seattle. It's again okay, another so one. That... If you look at that, those Lamar, Lamar there... Jackson was sixth. Oh, well, good. But you look at those those top five running backs, does that not show you that having a running game that gets you lots of rushing yards doesn't really mean a great deal? Because where are the Panthers, where are the Cowboys, and where are the Browns? Well, the not Panthers the lost their starting quarterback. The Browns are an, a mess as a franchise. And Dallas, <laughs> <laughs> Dallas choked. So, yeah, but that, that's my point, though, isn't it? That's my point. That you've got these three players who are very good and very talented, but having a running game that's getting you that many yards should, in theory, according to the old people, when you say running the ball wins championships, that's what you have to do. But in this day and age, yeah, but I don't know. That seems like it. an easy, easy argument. Well, Jazz. also, think, Jazz. you know, you could also look at it like the other way around, where it's like, well. Where would they have been this season if they didn't have those guys? Jazz, take it a look would have at been even more of a crap show, wouldn't the it? The top five passing quarterbacks this year, none of them made the playoffs. So having one of the top passing QBs in the league doesn't... Just go to show stats don't mean way. much, do they, really, I suppose? Which is also insane. The top five passing QBs in the year, none of those made the playoffs. So that's Winston and who else? Winston, Prescott, Goff, Rivers, Ryan. The top five yeah, in yards. That this is year. that is surprising. But then we looked at. I had that stat from a few weeks ago where we were looking at the top twenty passing seasons because we were looking at what Winston oh, yeah, got, yeah, yeah. and uh, only one of them had won a Super Bowl. 
yeah. with Eli Manning. So, you know, it just kind of... Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? It is mad. Well, you know, I think that that's, that's the thing you need to... You know, context is everything, isn't it? And it's like, you can't just look at the stat on its own. It needs to be part of an argument and it, you need to be able to draw in other things as well. And just the eye test. Because we all know, you know, if you watch a, a full game of Winston... <laughs> you know, you know that he shouldn't be on that list with Drew Brees and you can watch the first you can watch the first play of a Winston game and see immediately because it generally goes <laughs> well, back to six anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's normally a bit. Yeah. Let's get into the last bit. Then. Let's get into some bets uh, for yep. this weekend coming up. Obviously, only four games. Uh, AFC the- on Saturday night, NFC on Sunday night. Accumulators are never going to be too high. I'll kick it off straight away. Four teams. I've got one for 19 with a little odds boost from the place that I'm getting my bets from. Remember, odds are subject to change. Please uh, gamble responsibly. Visit Be Gamble Aware for more information on that. Of course, we're only, well, I only do one pound bets. I don't know about anybody else on this show if they're trying to sneak in a few extra quid on their hackers. But uh, I've gone for the New Orleans Saints to beat the Vikings. Tennessee Titans to beat the New England Patriots, the Buffalo Bills to beat the Texans, and the Eagles to beat the Seahawks. Oh, you're going with your boys. I'm going with my yes, boys. Yes, Ollie. At no- yes. 19 to 1. That's what I like. Jazz? Do you want mine? Or Dave? Oh, we'll, we'll go Dave. Yeah, sorry, Jazz. No, I'll, no, go, go do... for it, Dave. Go for it. Uh, I'm actually, I was, I've been flip-flopping. I had all the other ones picked. But the Eagles one has pained me a lot because I really want the Eagles to win. I want to see Ollie happy, but I have picked Seattle. So I've gone with head over heart on that one. So Smart Seattle choice. over the Eagles. I've got the Saints over the Vikings. It seems like a gimme. Um, be funny if that's the one that bangs all of us. But uh, Titans over Pats. Uh, and then I've got Texans over Bills. So I've got two different uh, to Ollie. And I've got only 12 to 1, which is pretty boring. But I found it hard to get above that and kind of stick with what I think is going to happen. Jazzy? So I agree with your outcomes, Dave, but I used a bit of spread betting to try and boost my odds uh, a little bit. Of course you did. So I went Texans to beat the Bills, but I've got them at minus 2.5. I've got just the Titans to beat the Pats. I've got the Seahawks minus 2, so I think the Seahawks will beat the Eagles, which increases the odds there. And I've gotten Vikings plus 7.5 because I reckon it's going to be a bit closer than a blowout. So if the Vikings lose within seven points i win and if of course if the vikings manage to win the game then i still win what would you get for that that's 19.4 to one fair well i hope that kirk cousins has a 400 yard game <laughs> and the vikings was, win. hey we will eat our words if that happens but i would I won't. i'll, I'll, put, still I'll put a it, large but... side bet on with you personally that not off, happening. off air that this doesn't happen yeah we'll, we'll discuss terms of that later i think <laughs> Big thanks once again for everybody involved in the show this week. Pretty long one, I have to say, but that is because we did have Darren Bent, who you can find on Twitter, talking all things Philadelphia Eagles. You can find him at Darren Bent. That's at Darren Bent. We had Sal Capaccio talking all things Buffalo Bills at Sal Sports. That's at Sal Sports. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter as well on the podcast at Pick6 underscore pod. That's at Pick6 underscore pod 
pod. We're also available on Instagram. That's UK underscore pick underscore six underscore podcast. And of course, like subscribe to us on anchor.fm who are our host and iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify and all other good podcasting outlets. Enjoy the wildcard weekend. Take care. We'll be back in a week's time.